0: This is episode 11 of The Flying Sign with Joe Clady. Thank you for tuning in this week and especially after the craziness of part one and part two of the Live from Ontario podcast. But if this is your first time today or your 11th time, uh, you you lucked out because this is a good one today. So today on the podcast, I have a brand new friend, hadn't met him before uh, we sat down similar to Sarah Johnson from a, a few episodes ago. Uh, his name's Joel Hubert. Uh, who is a ultra marathon runner. Uh, But more importantly, we connected really immediately over our uh, experiences with psychedelics. Let me just put it that way. So before I get into that, I want to fill you in on what is currently going on in the Clady household. So just recently purchased a house in uh, Fountain Square, Indianapolis area, uh, for those of you familiar. And it is, let me preface this. I have a uh, not even two-year-old daughter. Her name's Genevieve, which I've mentioned before. And the new movie, well, not new, but the the movie Moana, the Disney princess movie Moana with The Rock plays Maui, and it, she's obsessed, and I can't get away from it. Uh, but I can't get enough of it, too, in a weird way. It's so bizarre. And uh, But anyway, she's obsessed with it, and it's 24-7, at least when I'm there. And so... Anyways, while I was gone in Canada, uh, my dad hung out with her a lot and to kind of, you know, just, just, just this enjoy, he just enjoyed his week with her so much. He got her a like 16 inch little Moana doll where you press on the necklace and she sings how far I'll go and says all the quotes and it comes with a little Pua and Hey, Hey, like the the pig and chicken. Oh, how do I, how do I know their names? Uh, but anyways, it's so sweet. And so like Moana is about a young rebellious teen who breaks away from the culture of her family and uh, f- follows the call to the ocean to to save save the world pretty much by, by reconnecting it with nature. And uh, it's really, really cute story. But she opens this toy, Genevieve does, of the toy Moana and just falls in love. And like not in like a, you know, screaming way, but just... Very gently and, and happily, she picks her up and presses the necklace and just dances around with her. And it's, I don't know, it just got me thinking about my childhood and probably many of yours too. Like, she f- had her moment of the kid movie experience. So, what I mean by that is you have the toy or you see the movie or the show, and then you get the toy or book or whatever. And, like, then that's your claim to it and like this was her claim to it. Whether it's, you know, Barney, Sesame Street, uh, Power Rangers, Pokemon, Lion King, Aladdin, you know, those are more my generation, but, you know, you, you get it. So I don't know, try and think back on what yours is and it it's fun. It's fun to think about. So anyways, I have Joel Hubert on today and, and similar to Moana, he follows his call to the jungle and uh to to find his connection with nature. And and for any of you That appreciate the Moana connection, all I have to say is you're welcome. So Joel titles his episode Vida, which is Spanish for life. And uh, he found, in a way, new life. And and we connect over our old Catholic roots and and how his experience with ayahuasca in this jungle was uh, very similar to communion. And it I don't know, it was, it was really profound. And at the end, he shared a recording of him in the jungle. You hear the birds and the bugs. And, and very quietly, you just hear him say, Vamos a ver, which means we shall see, which is just so profound, uh, especially after hearing uh, his journey with ayahuasca. So we shall see. So please enjoy this episode with Joel Hubert that he titled Vita. So I saw recently you were in, was it Wisconsin? Yeah all right yeah. tell, tell me about that was that a, a, a marathon up there so you are a ultra marathon participant right walk me through you what can, that even you means can call it that okay um,
1: so there's actually a, a better story behind how I even got into it um, I studied abroad in Florence Italy when I was in college and um, I met a cute girl it was in my program and she asked me one day if I wanted to run in the morning before okay. the sun came up. And Were formed. you a runner? No, or not at all.
0: Gym at all? before I, that.
1: I played four sports in high school. I played okay. basketball, football, so, yes. rugby. Yeah. But I never ran for fun. Right. I just played. It was a was chore. An athlete. Um, and so she asked me to run and we ran in the morning and again, she was cute. So I was okay, let's do this. Right. And, um, we get finished and she's like, how do you feel? I said, great. And I, and she said, well, you just ran eight miles. I was like, oh, Okay, That's like a lot, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And so at that point, she asked me if I wanted to train for the Rome Marathon. Wow. So I ran the Rome Marathon when I was 21. And fast forward uh, eight years, I'm 29, I turned 30 in a month. Okay, um, I've done three ultra marathons. So now, what
0: is an ultra marathon?
1: It's anything technically over a marathon distance. So a marathon distance is 26.2 miles. Right. Okay. Uh, half marathons are super popular. We have the mini marathon here, which is intensely popular. One of mm-hmm. the best in the nation. And so, um, I just got sick of competing. I started competing with myself and with other people in the shorter distances and I just wanted to run for fun. So I said, you know, fuck it. Uh, let's do a 50 mile run. Oh my God. So I went down to Brown County and did a 50 miler with two of my buddies. 50 miles. How long does that take? Uh, that one took me like eleven hours. Oh, I was gonna say, but okay. I had so I, have, I had a support crew. I had friends, family with me. Right. So they would, you know, we'd be at a aid stations, which are places where people are going to have food set up for you, drinks set up for right. you. Um, I drank a beer halfway through it, you know, just to, just to <laughs> didn't matter. Man. Remind you your, that you, there was life mm, still in you. Your brain is so far gone at a certain point of it that um, you just it doesn't matter what you put in your body. You just have to go. You just have to continue mm-hmm. push through. Well. I'm sure maybe you can speak to this. And so
0: mm-hmm. what is your brain dumping then there's got, what is it? The natural pain relievers that right. I don't know the names for them, but right. that eventually kick in. At least for me, when I run, I'll get the first mile. It's like, fuck okay. this, fuck this. Until eventually you hit that wall and you just, if you push through, you're good. I'm sure 50 miles, there's a lot of walls that
1: you got to push through, but how does that work? So as far as how your brain works, endorphins are released. Big time. And endorphins are some of the best. It's the one of the best feelings you can ever have. It's something that your body produces. And it's amazing when your body actually produces it. So I'll be out running 15 miles, let's say. And it won't really hit until 15 to 20 miles for me. But all of a sudden, I'll just have goosebumps that run through my body. And I just start taking off. So that's I'll, your cue. Oh, that's my cue just to just to book it. That's cool. <laughs> when you're high, you have to use utilize it. Right. And when you're low, when the endorphins are so depleted and you're exhausted and you're pissed off and you hit your foot on a rock, and it hurts, you fall down, you scrape the shit out of your elbows, you have to pick yourself back up. And so when endorphins are low, you got to just get through them. Right. but Because they, eventually they'll be replenished. Absolutely. And they are. And when they hit you, man, it is like a shot of adrenaline. Ah, that's it. It's inspiring
0: me. Like, I am such a shitty runner. I, I, I like to lift. It's been since that Canada trip, I've still just trying to push this beer and fish mm. out of me. But like, I'm into into just weights and like I try and do cardio and I always feel so good when I do it, but it's just such a chore. And I'm sure many people. I mean, cardio is like the thing to do. It's the best thing to do. And but it's just so hard. It's just so hard. It's just that that first push through it. So like
1: maybe it takes a hot girl in Italy, you know, to like motivate you to do it. But, uh, in my case, yes. But to be honest with you, I tell people that ask me, you know, why do I do it? How do I do it? Uh, the first three miles are the worst three miles. So if you push through those first couple of moments that just suck and you're you're asking yourself, why in the fuck am I out here running? If you push through it, 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 it gets easier. It gets better. Now, I speak from my my personal experience, so I can't speak for everybody else, but that's a huge thing that, that I've found people have taken to heart, and it actually works for them right. as well. So well, that's
0: cool. Yeah, uh, so to move on, I want to get into this other stuff. So we talked briefly on the porch just about a, a previous adventure that you were on. So you said you were in South America for how long and maybe... Just, just if, you, if you could get into that part of
1: this and just let's talk through that. Yeah, I'm man. curious about that. Absolutely. So I, um, I was a high school teacher for four years, and I was getting to the point where I was ready to try something else. Um, I've been a sponge for knowledge since I graduated college, so I've always wanted to find something to learn right. and, and excel at. So after teaching, uh, I actually spent a long time considering seminary, Catholic seminary. I grew up Catholic, raised Catholic, went to every Catholic school, even through college, taught right. at a Catholic school, and we talked about that
0: too. There's something yeah. weird that if you're raised in that that Catholic thing, I think every boy had, had like if their you know parents are into it, and it crosses your mind. It I was like going to seminary camps like f- with boys and girls that like consider or what, vocation camp, and like which is so dorky to say out loud, but like it was vocational camp because you wanted to be. A priest and I actually went with a girlfriend at the time, which was so bizarre. But uh, uh, I don't know. That's so strange how that how that works and like how I don't know. And just being that kid because I was Catholic school, twelve did student, do college, but like we were saying, I think it, it kind of beats a lot of that religion part out of you. But like how we were talking, I've talked on previous podcasts. There's something in our head that is exercised through those years of that spiritual part to where when you have an opportunity to find a spiritual moment, whether it's through the endorphins of running to recognize that feeling rather than just like, oh, bro, this is awesome. It's more than that. And you're able to recognize it because of because of that muscle. So
1: absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's really good that people consider seminary and and for the record i'm i'm no longer consider i never no longer consider myself catholic right um it's just something that has left me but i have so much respect for what i learned growing up in that faith and learning discipline um but i think it's good for people to consider it like you said well and there's the tradition of it Mm -hmm. i don't
0: know about Mm -hmm. not to speak for you but at least for me my family you know generations of catholic or catholicism and it's it hits. It's been hit. Like this generation has kind of hit this wall now, to where it's like, not that tradition is kind of dying out. Like I, I respect it, but it's, it's hard to continue it when you just can't really buy in. Like I, like you said, I respect it, but it's not
1: enough, you know, right. to continue it on for the next generation. Right. So. And I've, I've tried to come up with an answer because I was close enough where I had been meeting with priests. Oh wow! So like I was. I, can't, I don't have an answer yet. I still don't know why I've left. I just know that it, it doesn't fit with where I'm going right now. Right. And so you're actively searching why, though. That's uh, important, too, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a really difficult question uh-huh. as well. I, I just want to... My goal right now is finding balance in all that I do. Complete balance. And uh, having a spiritual side is one part of that balance. But being told what you can and can't do on a daily basis, and there are certain rules and laws that they follow that i just can't i don't agree with man right the big one and and the big one to me is is uh, seriously is masturbation with really like priests yeah. be not being able to masturbate yeah i've had this theory for years that the reason why there's there are these scandals because they can't release right as a man you know when you have to release something right and you feel better all of a sudden you're done and you're like <sighs>
0: You can think. Oh my god. I can think clearly. It's normal. Right. Yeah. Not yeah, to get it how often if you have some shit to do, it's like, well, you know what, I'm just gonna take care of this because it's always on especially being twenty something, you know, or even into your thirties, like for guys, you're always thinking about it and that relief to where you have at least two hours of rational thinking and you don't get that, and you're supposed to be in a leadership position and you just back it trusted and it gets backed up and you're and like whether or not it you know I can't say the science to where it does cause these scandals but if nothing else it can't help behavior I mean right. there's still men there's it, it it doesn't they're not promoted to an extra uh, level of human being that doesn't need that biological
1: release so you're totally right, right. on that. and it, the discipline is tough man I, they, they say it's well you're disciplined in God and, and I'm sure a million priests would come back at me and say, you are completely wrong, right. Joel. But for me, you know, that's kind of just the way I've, way I've thought about it. So right. um, I guess to, to get back into the story, I, I chose against going into seminary, but I knew something needed to change. And so I talked to a, a good friend of mine and started looking at South America as a potential place for me to travel and, and experience something new. And he said to me, and these words will always stick with me, he said, Joel, at some point, what you're being offered in your current society stops giving you what you need. And that clicked and it took me like four months and I was gone. I was just, I was finding myself bitter in our society and I love being an American. I love this country so, so much, but for whatever reason I was just, all I was focusing on at that time was negativity and I would just see it in every single, anything specifically? Um, no, not necessarily, but in hindsight, yes, I, I found that, we have everything that we could possibly want need have right everything and and so for people to be upset bitter pissed off and you look around you and you're like you are in the best place in the world this one of the safest places in the world right. you have everything at your fingertips but i don't blame them cuz they don't know right they haven't they haven't experienced a different opportunity different lifestyle well and
0: just to fast forward, at least, do you think now that you've done all this exploration that you've done, do you think that there's a correlation between that negativity and the excess? I personally, I think there is like, if you, if you have everything you need and you don't have to suffer for anything, we're, we're designed to suffer until, until really the last 70 years we've had to we've had to hustle and actually drive and like now the only you know people like oh i got my side hustle oh you're driving uber like you're that's not you're not scavenging for food you're not hunting you're not you know farming or having to bury your children because it was too cold like it's crazy and so of course now they take to instagram to say terrible things because they need that that drama you know that's my thought on it at least
1: i i agree with you and i I mean, I, so I was gone for eight months. I slept in my tent 60% of that trip and I did so by design. I wanted to, right. It was my home. And in a little bit of a way, I I felt more animalistic. I felt like, you know, a little bit like a dog, like that was my home. That's where I was comfortable. I had my own shit in there. Nobody would bother me when I had my tent set up. But, um, basically what I did was I found one volunteer place that I was going to go and work at. It was in Northern Chile. It was a school. And so I flew into Santiago stayed with a friend for about six days and then I made my way north and I taught English at a at a school that um, very poor school but um, still a lot of positivity was there that I found a lot of happiness I found that was there but um, that's how it started is I got further into my understanding of the Spanish language which took a lot longer than I had anticipated Um, I made my way south to Patagonia and I spent three months in in Patagonia working on a farm Um, and that's where I spent a lot of my time in a tent and it was just fantastic. I had 800 acres to myself. Well, well,
0: similar to the running, did Mm -hmm. it take a little, uh, I'm sure you hit that wall the first few nights. Can't be easy to where, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, that animalistic part kicks in, but not right away. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. How long did that take to,
1: man? I questioned that trip the whole time. I went by myself. Okay. I, I, Booked a one-way ticket. I packed my big hiking pack with crampons, ice axe, tent, all that stuff, and then a smaller backpack as well. And so, two weeks in, I was already shitting my pants figuratively. That this is this is a mistake. Right. What am I doing? I, I had made the worst decision in my life. But again, I pushed through. Right. I basically said, no, I got to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. And so I continued and. And the, the stories, the experiences, the, everything that I gained from that trip has just changed my life. Absolutely.
0: So, so you're in Patagonia then. So what are you doing there?
1: Uh, My job was technically to be the head uh, garden keeper. Okay. So I built gardens. Um, I also recruited volunteers. So I was supposed to stay for a little bit longer than I did. I I stayed for three months, September through December. So it's the end of uh, winter down there and getting into summer. Um, I was supposed to stay through January, but uh, the people I worked for just they, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with them at a certain point. Really? They kept on wanting to pay me to do some of the work, and I always refused it because I knew as soon as they had me in a contract, I was stuck. That's smart, and I, I didn't have enough money to mess around with it. So I didn't I ended up leaving a month and a half early. They were super pissed, but there was one thing that I learned from that experience is how to deal with people when they're really angry. I mean, this woman was screaming at me. On her porch before I left. When I told her, I was like, "I gotta go. I'm sorry. This my time here is done." That she and she worked for the. She the was the owner. Okay. Yeah, and so she was super, super pissed off, and um, I just said, "You know, I'm gonna pack my bags and I'm gonna go. Thank you again. This experience will will forever be in my my mind." As she's screaming, at "Oh my you. god!" Yeah, I just had to uh. stop her. But again, I look at that as positive. Right. I, I look at that as okay. Well, now I've had that experience in my life where somebody's super pissed off at me, mm-hmm. and I got to figure out how to handle it i'm in a different country i'm playing by their rules right. i mean when i was there I, I i was part of killing a cow and what i was, was part of the like? whole process so we had i had two two gauchos which is spanish for cowboys and they were argentine gauchos and they didn't speak a lick of english and they they lived on the property they were unbelievable mechanics cowboys everything Mm. and uh they asked me one day to go with them to go we bought five cows and uh we had to get them in the back of this small pickup truck but the whole time we're doing that we have like we're three three of us with ropes and this cow is pissed off because it doesn't want to go Uh and so it's charging at us and we have to duck out of the way dive out of the way damn um so we get all of them in there and then we mark the one when we bring them back that we're gonna kill so I didn't know when we were gonna kill it. Because I still didn't know that much Spanish. Right, that's all they spoke. And so Thanksgiving morning of I think 2015, they came down and I'm sitting watering watering our gardens. And they said, "Joel, listo," which means Joel, are you ready? I said, "For what?" oh boy He said la vaca la vaca and I was like oh my god what's so, that uh, the cow oh, sorry okay, okay. yeah so we get on horses and they just take off and I knew a little bit about horse riding so I followed him up uh-huh. brought the cow back down the first thing they do and this is graphic so I'm sorry no you're good yeah
0: we'll do it he's, he's getting ready to say it yeah. so so
1: the first thing they do when we get it down there is take an axe and they, they not the sharp end of the axe but it's it's heavy okay the, the, the side of it uh-huh. and they crack it in the head and the cow is dazed. I mean, it makes sense. When right. You, when you right. look back at it, it makes sense why Rather they do it. Rather than injecting it
0: with something to put yeah, it down and just give it. And,
1: and I'll explain the reason for why they kill a cow like this afterwards. But um, so they get it, they get it knocked out a little bit. And my job's to hold the legs, so I tie up the back legs, and I got to hold on. And I have no idea what I'm. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just holding on. My hands. I know they're going to start bleeding at some point. Right. And uh, so one of the gauchos gets his knife and they, they get it on the ground and, but they're very, very peaceful with it. Right. Like they're like whispering to this cow. Oh, really? Okay. And one brother's on its neck and then the other brother has the knife and it's just one in and out. And it takes about 30 minutes right in the neck. Um, it takes about thirty minutes for the thing to die and bleed out. That's a long time, dude. I'm sitting there with this, with holding its back legs. It's trying to survive. I mean, it's its last moments right. of life, and it's that. Why did they do it there rather than just smash its brain in? Uh, so the theory that that I found out afterwards is that when you you know how we do it with the cattle guns uh-huh. that yeah, just yeah. go in and out really uh-huh. quickly, it tenses all the muscles up. I could be completely wrong here. This oh. is what I was told when I was down there, and so a slower death is makes for better meat right and argentine argentinians know their meat
0: dude that's uh that's heavy yeah. 30 and and i'm yeah. sure it's kicking even though it's knocked out but it's oh, it was, yeah it awful. it's survival yeah. you know everything they're having and animals having everything absolutely. kick into it to survive and you gotta hold absolutely up. were you just like trying to be tough guy about it but at the same time like i'm sure inside you you're the,
1: your little boy self is like, why Why are you <laughs> what doing I, this? What yeah. I, doing? I mean, I, I, would, the adrenaline was flowing and, yeah. and when you're in the moment and that cow's trying to, trying to survive and live and is kicking everywhere, it's like standing up, but bleeding, you know, it's, you just do it. And dude, that's heavy. I keep picturing it. Damn. <sighs> Afterwards, I just took a deep breath and I was like, what in the f- Buck right. Just happened. It was yeah. Thanksgiving day. You know, they, they don't know anything about Thanksgiving. Right. So it just, Hey, I was going to yeah. ask that. It yeah. just happened to be Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they, okay. It, yeah.
0: They weren't celebrating. Yeah. Okay, no, right. not at all.
1: Right, not okay. at all. And we, we, we skinned it. We cut it up immediately. So it was a whole process. I mean, yeah. that was, that was like a six hour process total. And then we ate. And did you assist with that part of it yeah, too? So thing, you're man. seeing, yeah, I'm sitting there sawing that. through its, its rib cages, but <sighs> you got the full experience, right? And that's what I wanted. Right. So I knew like, okay, I'm going to take mental notes this whole time. And we ended up eating cow neck soup for lunch after that thing was alive a mere mere hours ago.
0: So now that you're home, Mm -hmm. does that influence you when you're in the grocery buying meat? Like we have similar to what we were saying earlier. There's such this disconnect with meat because it just comes in this nice package and then you eat it and it doesn't taste good but most people don't know any better cuz it's the same fucking meat with the same shit in it all the time. And it, do you try and maybe not even eat meat unless it's good meat or do you, does it influence you in any way?
1: A little bit. Factory farming is just something I I don't I don't agree with. I right. don't want anything to do with. I think that the way you treat something in its life is the way it's going to provide for you in its death. And you know, when a cow lives a good life, and is free range as all that stuff even right. like you the best i guess the best example is with chickens the eggs that you buy if you buy chicken eggs and they're free like completely free range from farmers mm-hmm. they should be different colors the yolk should be orange right and if you look at some of the eggs that we have at the grocery store oh, yeah. e- even when they say organic or free range they still they, they may even be brown the yolks look like shit right they're still yellow and so it's it's really i think how you treat it and they take everything tastes better when it's treated better
0: you might be able to answer this question something i heard similar to how we're like the the companies if they put natural on the foot like mm-hmm. anybody could put natural on anything and but because there's no real law against that organic that's an actual uh, US, uh usda, USDA yeah. yeah and when it comes to free range i heard that to be considered free range all you have to have is just a small door open that could potentially allow them to walk outside
1: but they're still cooped up, right? Is, is that right? Right. I I would assume so. Okay. And I think that our 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 food manufacturers and the big businesses that we have that make food that feed people they they cut corners. They know yeah. uh, you, And
0: do you blame them? Like, no, there's so not. many yeah. people. We have to. You know? We gotta feed people. Uh-huh.
1: We we have millions of poor people right. in this country, uh-huh. and we're supposed to be the wealthiest country in right. the world. So you know, I understand it to an extent, um, but if I can choose. You know, what I, what I would love to do is kill my own meat. I'd like to go and find right. a deer or an elk or, or anything right. and kill it myself Yeah, and then bring it back, freeze it. You can that's what I feel for sure. a that
0: I mean, hell, we got bags of fish right now right. in my freezer. Oh yeah, that's amazing. It, like I, after, after we came back from Canada, I had this huge fish fry for my parents, my grandma for, for my family and my daughter was eating it. it's just like, there was that kind of weird animal thing that kicked in, like, Ooh, you know, my, <laughs> I kill you eat like this weird thing that kicked in and that I've never had before, right. you know,
1: cause I, just, I haven't had a kid, well, bef- you know, to feed. I mean, look at it, look at it this way. We, for thousands, oh, up to 30,000 years of, of human existence, the men got all of the food and it's only been until recently, a few hundred years, not probably less than that, oh, yeah. where it's easy. Where you can go and get anything you want at a supermarket, right? A convenience store—they call right. it a convenience store because it has every fucking mm-hmm. thing you need. Yep. So you know, I I get that, but again, I'll always—if I can—if I can kill my own meat, and that's on my bucket list, right. Short list is to figure out how to hunt. And that's that's a whole that's a craft though. Yeah. That's the thing is like yeah.
0: who has the time in this culture? Mm-hmm. That's not easy to do. I mean, it's once you get trained up, and how, you could be uh, a. Um, What's the word of seasoned marksman or whatever it would be but you could still come up with nothing so mm-hmm. it's nice to have these convenience stores as a backup but yeah I, I hear what you're saying for sure yeah. and it's oh it's a weird thing it's a weird place that we live in to where at any time we can just have whatever we want but the quality is shit and that's the problem like people have such an issue paying for organic eggs or organic food well, how much are you drinking or how often do you go out to eat? Like there's all this, it's just, a, it's just so weird right. with money and like how people can't just connect the dots with it's your health. Like it's same with these chickens and cows. You, it's good. What you put in, if, if you put in good, it's going to be good for you. It's the same with you. You're no, one's going to eat you to know the difference, but like you'll know you have a good feeling to where if you eat McDonald's for three weeks, you're gonna feel like shit and you're right. gonna look like shit and you're gonna act like shit
1: right because that's all you're eating <laughs> I think what you put in is and I I, I I posted about this before but what you put in should be your fuel not your sedative and that's good that's it, I, I'm not innocent by any means well, like I, I I went to a party on Friday and woke up Saturday not feeling the best and so yeah I ate shitty food right but it's all it's all connected it's oh, all connected. for sure alcohol in itself is still not Good for me, and I know that. Definitely not. I know it's not. Yeah, we're drinking beers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, but it's it's nice. It's a social thing, uh-huh. and so it's worth it. Right. But at a certain level, man, it's like if I didn't have to I like have that. any alcohol.
0: fuel, not your sedative. Yeah. If you have, like, I'm thinking of that right now, and if you think of it as like a, you're just this engine, and like you are. Think of your your car. You know, you wouldn't put. <laughs> I wouldn't dump apple juice into my car because it's not going to work. You know, it's going to just. Fuck it up, and it's the same with us. This beer is not the gasoline <laughs> right. we need. Yeah, it makes but you feel good for a it does. While, it know? does the first but, couple, but right. it's
1: when you it's when you overdo it, and right. that that comes back to balance and moderation, right? Which is what I try. You know, I I'm, I'm seeking that. It's just tough. I mean, we're humans. We we make mistakes all the time, right. and it's just staying that course. And so I look at this whole thing as a journey, man, and it's fun as shit. We're so goddamn lucky uh-huh. to be alive. We get to do whatever we want right we did we did uh, a buddy of mine did the math the other day to be a a white man middle class raised in the in the whole world is less than 1% chance Wow less than 1% chance that's weird I mean, you don't think of it like no, that. because here it, it does seem, or at least in the circles that you run yeah. around with, if
0: you're one of those people, right? Typically, your circle is filled with those people, right? But
1: so you're, well, you only, you only know what what is surround, what you, what is surrounded by, mm-hmm. what surrounds you is the only thing that you know until you venture out, right? Which then leads to this cow story mm-hmm. and and many more that I've had yeah, in my travels, man. Yeah, yeah you. You just figure some shit out when you're by yourself and right. you're lonely, and, and you know that's it's part of life, though. So, so let's
0: get into more about your trip. Then uh, I kind of want to venture into this next thought that we talked about. So, you did a little experimenting down there with uh, some psychedelics, and uh, I have dabbled, as I told you before, and there's similar to the Catholicism talk we had earlier about uh that spiritual muscle you're able to recognize something when you partake in that could you at least touch on that or like explain your experience before
1: not the the full deal or you know whatever yeah. you want to say about yeah, it absolutely um so before i left the us i spent about uh probably 2 years researching something called ayahuasca and I heard it from of course Joe Rogan because oh okay the 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 dude just is is doing some good things. knows the shit. he does. and um so I, I heard about it from from one of his podcasts, and so I started researching it. I read Rick St- Rick Strassman's book called DMT, the spirit Mo- Molecule, and it just it changed my world. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, and this was I was not into psychedelics at that time. I smoked weed every once in a while. I was 25 years old at this point, right. Um, I did mushrooms once in college, hated them cause it was so intense. Right. And so I was like, I don't need, I don't need anything like that. But for whatever reason, there was an itch that occurred as soon as I heard what ayahuasca was. And I think part of it was because of the spiritual side of it, mm-hmm. of the religious side of it. So just to kind of give some background to people that don't know what ayahuasca is, please. It's, it's a plant medicine and it's been utilized in the Amazon rainforest for thousands of years by shaman. They call it medicine for a reason because it is medicine. Um, I've heard it called 10 years of therapy in a week. Wow. Of like intense therapy. So I, I didn't feel like I needed any of that stuff, but what, for whatever reason, it just it fascinated me. I, I, I love the tradition of the Catholic faith. And so I love that this had been going on for thousands of years too. And they called it medicine and it healed people. So I, okay, well, let's read about it. Let's learn about it. Let's do as much as we can, much as I can before I left. Um, but I didn't make the decision. When I went down there, and I actually had an opportunity to try out DMT in Santiago. I landed in Santiago, and like two days later, I was asked if I wanted to, to try it. Really, the that woman seems I was living so with, rare oh it was crazy. Just present itself like, yeah. that. yeah. And well, she and I had these amazing conversations. Um, and I was, it was just she and I for six days. And uh, she asked me if I wanted to try it, and I, I said, "I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No, thanks." But I appreciate it. So again, I wasn't sure. If I wanted to, to, to delve into this, um, I I fast forward to, that was in August, fast forward to January, um, living in Uruguay on the beach with a really good friend of mine now is a very good friend of mine and it hit me. All right. It's time. It's time to try it. Let's do it. Let's book it. Was there anything that caused that? I think it was the culture that I was in yeah. down there. I just found a ton of peace. I Maybe found this, separate from this culture. Yeah, too. yeah, it was. And, and, um, I just, I felt okay. I, the way I looked at it is kind of how I think Catholics look at decisions that they made. It, oh, I was, I just knew God led me into right. The, the right path. Right. Well, this plant led me, this medicine led me to that path to say, okay, yes, let's go ahead and try it. So I, I did research, found a great place called Amaru spirit. Um, in the Peruvian rainforest, at heart of the jungle. Decided, okay, I'm going to do it. Spent some money. I actually had to cut my trip about two months short because I, sp- I paid for it. Wow. Okay. Um, so it's like a service. It's a retreat center. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it's a, a center. Is it run
0: by people of uh, from the area or is it kind of
1: influenced by other people trying to help out? So the way that I understand it is shamans, Peruvian shamans, Amazonian shamans because it's also in Brazil, they didn't share any secrets to white people, to Westerners, until very recently. And they've started sharing those secrets. So if you do a Google search of Ayahuasca right now, you're going to see tons and tons of places that pop up. Just our communication is so great now that you you can find anything that you want anytime. Um, And so the place that I was at was run by, actually, a white guy who had lived there. He has a Peruvian wife. They have kids. He stays down there. He's kind of bitter about... Our culture here in the United States. Um, is he from here? He's from North Carolina. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he changed his name. His name's Slocum. Wow. Yeah, but okay. he did, he's, he's, he's been through a lot of different cool experiences in his life. He, he's an artist, world renowned artist. Okay. And so he just said, I'm going to go and build this place, but we have shamans in there that are, that are Peruvian that have been passed down generation to generation, but um, excuse me. So many of the places, though, are, are frauds. You're going to find frauds. Really? There's there've been bad things that have occurred in some of these retreats, retreat centers. Um, How bad? Like thefts, thefts, murders, murders, rapes, huh? kidnaps. Oh God. Um, people that you can't trust. And so there was a little bit of a risk involved. But again, I did some research, and that's that's the big thing that I would always tell people: do your damn research right. before you decide to. Because you're 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 gone from the world for hours. And you need to have people that can care for you, right? Um, if shit
0: hits the fan, whether within you or your or, surroundings, yeah, yeah, you have to
1: have people that care for you. So, back to what ayahuasca is: it is uh, the most potent, well, probably the most potent psychedelic um, drug medicine that you're going to find, and it's it's brought it's it's found from uh, a leaf and a vine. And the, this is, this is a crazy story that people listen to other podcasts, they'll hear it, right. but it's found in two separate parts of the jungle. So the leaf is found in, in one part of the jungle and the vine is found in another part of the jungle. And the best story I've heard about this was that, um, when, when people ask, well, how did you know to boil these two plants together down to this tea type of drink that makes you trip your balls off for five hours and change your life? They said the the plants told us. Is what the shamans say. The plants told us, man. That's exactly <laughs> how it happened. That connectivity, right? And 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 you you look at that from from a Westerner, and you look at that from a United States citizen. You're like, that's complete bullshit, right? Especially with how we were raised. Again, I did my research. I said, I'm going to make this adult decision. Twenty nine years, twenty eight years old at the time. I'm going to do it. Um, and so I uh, spent some money, flew out, and uh, I got in a rickshaw. And I'm I'm GoProing Damn, myself. Crazy. Uh, off of the airplane, and I, I'm I'm like nervous, but I'm also like super excited. Right, I'm right. jacked. Uh-huh. Again, I haven't dabbled in any really any psychedelics right. before, but I know that this is going to be special. And so I, I'm GoProing myself. I still have these videos of me just smiling, just cheesing, man. Oh, I'm sure. Super excited what I'm going to do. Um, and we get there, and and uh, I meet a couple other people. It's a small place. There were about fifteen other uh, people there. Um, I was one of two Americans. Okay, they were from all over the world that were there for their own reasons. Right, retreat center. Uh huh. Um, so, the first night they offer an ayahuasca ceremony, and I'm like, "All right, fuck it, I'm gonna jump in. Let's do it." And and they call it a ceremony because it is. So it, real quick, so you're yeah. paying or you have just a time.
0: Are you, like you have a week there or something like that Eight days is what I paid for. So you, but they have services to where you can just go anytime within your eight days, every day, if you wanted to probably. Right. Right. But you just got to wait till you're ready. Some people might just be like, I need a day, (laughs) you know, let me get settled. Okay.
1: Gotcha. And, And some of the, I guess some of the other places that you'll hear about and, and how other Westerners have gone down there and done this, they, it's solely for ayahuasca. This place is the reason why I chose it is that it was an all inclusive type of location, and so I got the best food, all healthy. I mean, some of the greatest vegetarian food I've ever had in my life, and they they complemented all of the ayahuasca with diets, dietas, is what they called it. So I went on a tobacco diet during this process as well, where um, it's kind of gross, but. The, the shaman comes and visit me and visits me in my little hut that I have. And I, I'm sequestered from people for about 48 hours. This wow. is midway through the week. So I had already drank an ayahuasca twice. So so it's a body social cleanse. Mm-hmm. Total. Total. Wow. And so they, they bring this tobacco juice because tobacco down there, pure tobacco is not unhealthy for right. you. It's not. What we do to it up here is so fucked up. <laughs> right. And I dipped, I chewed tobacco for 15 years. Yeah. I recently quit and I'm really proud of that. But... Down there, it's 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 a it's a healing plant. They use it in a lot of different things. Huh. So I drank this stuff that was infused with garlic, and it's like probably eight ounces, six to eight ounces. Is it bad? Oh my gosh, the worst yeah. of the worst. Okay. All right. But I was encouraged to to try it and to give it a shot. And this is about 48 hours that I have to do this. I have to drink three times. So the shaman comes in and he blesses it. He he's blowing smoke all over it. We're sitting on our knees. I mean, total hypoth- like total stereotypical jungle experience. How much
0: do you think of that
1: either at the time or now
0: do you think it's a little hokey pokey? Like, I'm not I'm not saying it is, but do you think they tried to add some fluff to get this like, this kind of witch doctor experience? Like, I'm not trying to downplay but I'm just like, I wonder, they know that you're paying a lot of money, we want to give them the, the theatrics of it. Do you think some of that was involved or do you think it really was just a pure like, this is the ceremony that we've done forever?
1: I think that well, one, I, I find the best in people. I try to anyways, right. and I've been taking advantage of because of that. Right. So to me, this was real to them. I don't know. But to me, it was real. And fair. That's it, all man. that matters. It's yeah. A physical, yeah it is. It. But it wasn't because I drank this shit. And then he sits there and, and waits and, and waits because you puke afterwards. Oh, and you're feeling miserable for like three hours. Oh, it God. clears your system out, clears okay. your body out. And he's sitting there and I'm, I'm feeling awful. And we're just talking because I'm waiting for the throw up to come. And, and finally I start just dry heaving because I don't have, well, I should backtrack. I don't have anything in my stomach. I fasted hardcore for, for two days. And so. Which I'd, was required or you just did that? I, both. Okay. Both. And, um, so I start dry heaving heavily, just the worst of the worst. And the shaman's like. Imagine if your students could see you now. Wow. Because <laughs> he knew I was a teacher. Because right. they spend the time with you. Right. You know, they come to your, That's to your cool. room That's nice. personally yeah. and spend thirty minutes with you or so and talk about your life and, and what you what your goals are. But man, so I drank three that three times, felt like shit every time. I'm I'm writhing around in my bed. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? Uh. But after the third one, man, everything like the best way I can describe it. Think of think of your chest and your stomach all discombobulated, okay. just cra- going crazy. Mm-hmm. It all just aligned, huh? Immediately at the end of that experience. That's weird. and this is this is non psychedelic. This is completely just tobacco juice, right? But and so you mean just like everything's
0: inflamed, and all yeah, of a sudden you just, just feel center and. Here, Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's bizarre. But
1: it's partly because of the the fasting as well. Right. So I found so much, so much benefit in fasting. Huh. Amazing benefit in fasting. I don't do that here. I would love to. I would love to go on 48-hour fasts. Yeah. It, it, what you're able to accomplish mentally uh, is, is, an, is incredible. Like what? Uh, things just balanced out. I started writing. I started getting ideas. I started mm-hmm. formulating plans for the future. I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And I thought about what I was going to take back with me and how, what I was going to take back, meaning personally, how right, am I going to right. live my life? How am I going to promote what I've learned in all these travels to the people that are around me without telling them this is how you should live? And so I just, I decided to, you know, focus on that and, and it, it, seriously, it still stuck with me. Right, and that's that's non-psychedelic. Right, that's just a diet.
0: But yeah, that's that's the weird thing. So, okay, so you drink that yeah. and everything aligns. So is your shaman still kind of coaching you? Or, or so yeah. how how much farther out are you from the the show, the big deal?
1: So I drank ayahuasca two times before this diet. So I was I was way off kilter, and oh, this okay. was midway through the week. Okay. And but I needed a break, and so I took a couple of days. I drank ayahuasca the first two nights. I had two really wild, vivid experiences, and the second one was was even worse. I'd say worse, but now it's very positive, right? But so it was bad at the time. Oh yeah, yeah, worse. Like worse scary thing. or um. Well, let me just tell you. Let me tell you a little bit about the story of what what I saw. Okay. What occurred. Okay, so. We're in the, the Maloka is what they call it, and it's this beautiful domed building, gigantic. Um, and it's in the middle of the jungle. And this is the Slocum guy built this Maloka is what they call it. And it's it's like a church. Like, that's, that's seriously what it looks like. There's incense burning when we come in at night. All the ceremonies take place at night after dark. There's incense burning, and the shaman is there, and people just arrive slowly and they get their little mats. So we each have a mat and we each have a pillow and we have a blanket and a puke bucket and uh, toilet paper to blow our nose or, or wipe tears away, whatever. Okay. So we get in there and, and again, this is my first time I just got there earlier in that day. And so I'm, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is right. This just right. Yeah. I'm super jacked about this. Uh-huh. I, I've learned so much about it. Now I'm actually going to be able to experience right. it and then share it. And, um, so they start calling around people once the ceremony starts. They start calling around people in the room. Very much like communion, dude. Okay. Uh, Catholic communion. Right. And so they say, Joel. And so I went up and I, I get on my knees and the shaman looks at me and and, and he's like, okay, you ready? And, and so I look at him and very intense eye to eye contact. Right. Yes. And so I, I think of my intention because I, I, I wanted intentions for this for this experience. And so he gives it intention he, as like what you
0: wanted to take away yeah. or, or all, or, but was there a, a part of you that wanted to maybe get your head right before you got into this too, towards I don't want to have a negative thought before I drink this. <laughs> right.
1: I, I think it was, I think it was both. I thought about some intentions before, like what I wanted to work on in my life. Okay. I, I went into this thinking, how can I improve me? How can okay. I improve Joel? Cool. All right. Um, and so I'm thinking that of course that all went to shit. You, you you can't plan for something like this right, so he pours it after looking at me, pours the amount that he thinks I should have, and I drink it. it doesn't taste that bad, some people hate it um and I go back to my my little mat and I just wait and it's about thirty minutes to kick in, yeah, okay, so everybody drinks, and the shaman drinks every night as well That's which crazy. is nuts, man Cause this is a five hour this is a five hour experience this right. is a five hour intense trip, and so he he drinks as well every night. Every night God, there's a ceremony. I can't he's even drinking. Imagine. So as soon as he feels the medicine working on him, he starts singing. He's it's chanting. It's called ikaros. Okay. So he's chanting, and as soon as he started chanting, man, all of a sudden things started happening. I started feeling a little warm in the stomach but a little uncomfortable as well. I just kind of got that. that, If you're familiar with psychedelics, (laughs) you just kind of move. You're Uh more aware of what's going on in your body. Maybe start pinching your muscles a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fast forward through the throw up and all of that and it sucked, but it's part of the process. Uh So everyone throws up. It is just pretty much. I tried to diet beforehand for about two months. I tried to really, as soon as I booked, I tried to cut certain items out of my, my diet that interact inappropriately with ayahuasca with like what awesome. is what is the hot hot food spicy food oh okay my diet basically consisted of bread and some fruit and tomatoes uh, that is a fruit but yeah that that type of very basic bland diet um it sounds very probably very uh similar to probably the diet of the people they right are, oh yeah you know yeah they're, yeah they're very... fresh fresh vegetables yeah. but again they, the hot peppers are supposed to be pretty pretty bad for for ayahuasca Hmm. okay so i tried to cleanse my system already beforehand some people don't don't do anything and then they they are sick as shit because what the first thing it does is it purges it's a purge it purges basically the plant starts working on you the medicine starts working on you that it gets rid of everything that you don't need which is a lot of shit wow that we have in our bodies we don't need so so it's uh, starting to kick in it's starting to kick in the the shaman starts chanting ekoros and it I, it guides me right into it, so I'm laying That's down. That's crazy. Was it kind of haunting?
0: Yeah, like a Gregorian I, yeah, kind of chant Yeah, thing it which is. It, okay. And there's
1: no, there's no music. There's no, there's no accompanying music. Right, I should say. But it, it's, it's peaceful. I've found that now, I, when I listen to it just through Spotify or something, I can kind of take. If I'm meditating too, I can take myself back to that place. And, to the place, not the. Yeah. The, okay. But I can kind of get deep. I can okay. I can go into myself a little bit more. So the biggest thing, my mom was a huge part of this experience. Um, I just remember feeling my navel and just being so connected to my mother. Whoa. So I went back in time, essentially. Um, but I was very lucid. It's very much like a dream. Okay. But you're, 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 you're there, and you know what's going on. So I'm, I'm talking to my mom as a kid, probably 8, 9, 10 years old. Um, but I see her for who she is like I see inside of her that I've never I've never felt before I've never seen I really looked at my mom in that way and a very dreamlike like I said um, And so just very connected with her and then I went further back. I went further back to And this is where it kind of gets crazy and this is where people you know, they may lose this But right. I went I was basically conceived and I was in her womb and I'm conscious as a 28 year old man understanding where my spirit is, where, where I came from, from my parents. So I'm even more connected to my mom. So, so if I understand you yeah. right, you're, yeah. you're. Please guide this because it right. it's, it's tough to. Tell. Yeah.
0: As someone who is not in your head, um, it, it, was it like a feeling of, um, uh, like a memory to where you almost can recall at the time in there, or you're just.
1: Yeah, is that yeah, it? Okay. Yeah, it was it was definitely more of a memory that okay. I, that okay, I'm here and I'm in here and I know where I am and it's really warm. But you were you were aware of that yes. was what it was. Yes. So it's like this yeah. is who I am, right? This is the time in my life that I right. was. I mean it was like going backwards in time. That's essentially how this whole experience started. And then backwards
0: like from the, the current age that yeah. you were sitting on that mat and you just right. felt just kept that.
1: on going back younger and younger and younger, but having my brain that I have now of all these experiences. Whoa. So again, okay, I'm very dreamlike cause I think people can dream about some of this stuff. Oh, but I'm sure. Yeah. DMT dimethyltryptamine is released when you dream. Exactly. So, and that's the, the psychoactive component in ayahuasca.
0: Well, real quick, when we just take one yeah. sidebar here yeah. and explain just what you mentioned, like the molecule part of it. So, I'm aware ayahuasca is different from DMT in in the sense of it is the combination of two plants. Can you just walk everybody through that then? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, I I don't, I don't know which, if it's the, the leaf or the vine that has, I'm pretty sure it's the leaf. Okay. And then the, the root has that inhibitor. Right. The MAO inhibitor. That, 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 that makes it potent. Right. That basically makes it psychoactive.
0: Well, Well, no from you my you may know more than i well my understanding is so so there we have uh, enzymes in our body that break that mao or the damn it now i can't think of it the uh just the, and i can't think of it like what it stands for but there's this enzyme in our body that um uh, breaks down dmt from the plants that we eat that it that is contained in a bunch of different plants. So you're right. not tripping grass. for instance. Exactly. So you're not, you know, all of a sudden tripping once you have lunch. Right. So it breaks it down. So you're eating this leaf that has it. Uh, so if you were to consume that, the leaf or the root, I can't exactly remember either, but mm-hmm. say it's the leaf and you consume the leaf without the root, it's just going to nothing's going to happen. Gonna happen. Right. It's that root that contains the inhibitor that, that, that opens it up. Right. Well, yeah. it, it stops your body from breaking it down. Okay. So it, it inhibits that enzyme from breaking it down. So you, that's when you get it. You right. know what I'm saying? So that, right. that's my understanding yeah, of it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That right. makes
1: sense. Um, and, and so as I was saying, you just, you're going back in time and I was anyways, and this is, it, it gets even crazier at this point. Um, I re- just remember being in a void, in a black infinite void, and I was just a little ball of light. And So you went all the way back? I went back. all the way back to the spirit level of whatever it is that we are, whatever our consciousness is, whatever that is. I was this pink little ball of energy in a complete nothingness. And I knew it. Like, I was being told this, but some people get experiences and they say, the plant talked to me. I didn't really have that. The plant said one thing to me at one point. She just said, I want you to puke. This is the last one. And I was like, Mm. I don't want to puke. And I didn't, unfortunately. But That was the only thing that I ever heard where I was like, somebody's actually saying something to me.
0: But do you th- I mean, you, you were aware of everything that was going on. So yeah. maybe that, what could that it, have been the it voice? It was almost a you...
1: different language. It was almost a different language. Right. It was maybe like,
0: not a vocal verbal yeah. like, voice, oh, okay. but uh...
1: this is where I know where I am. Cause again, you're lucid. So I get to this point and I have an opportunity to kind of take it further. If I wanted to go further, I can go further. And I look at it like a, like, think of, think of yourself in a spaceship. Okay. okay. And you're inside of the spaceship, but outside of that is just nothing infinite. That's all, that's all there is. So I got about, and I started like, like just kind of moving out of it. I like about, about, I got about halfway out of this. Cause I wasn't like a, a physical being. So I could, I could get, go through basically any material. I could go through a door, for instance, halfway whatever. out of the, the this little the spaceship ship, is the way, the ship. way, okay. the, way I, the way I describe it. Gotcha. And I get halfway out and I can see what's out there. Like the next level, if I wanted to take it there. And then I had some comfort staying in. And I I freaked out. Whoa. I stayed in, I didn't go, and I, I wow. had an opportunity to. But I also felt like I was on the verge of of some crazy shit that maybe I didn't I wasn't ready for. Maybe right. it wasn't time for me Dude, to. Dude, that to. is that is bothering
0: me. So like in a good way though. Like, yeah. So you see this? Did it look like anything, or it's just the? This is like if I go here, there may not, a, I may not be coming
1: back. Basically,
0: is that possible too? I've heard that before. I don't know if that's just full of shit, but.
1: I mean, it, it could be, and, and uh, I, I have a brief tale about how I saw somebody kind of lose their mind a little bit, but the, the, just to close this part out, yeah, the, um, the shaman stopped chanting, and I just popped into sobriety, like complete lucidity, back to the world, and I, I just remember being like, oh my God what was that? And I'm just laughing. I'm like laughing and crying right. at the same time. Cause I just had this intense experience. I right. had my mom involved in it and I saw her for who she was. And then I went all the way back to this moment and he stopped chanting and I was, I was, I was back and the shaman goes, does anybody want another cup? And, and at this point I was like, fuck it.
0: Damn dude. Let's oh go. my God.
1: And that, that, that ended up being a very, very good decision. But a very difficult decision. And that's a story that I'm not quite ready to share. I completely understand after drinking that second cup. Um, but that's been, that's been a life changing. Can you answer me this though? Were were you able to
0: achieve the next level? Took me in a completely different direction. Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. I won't, I won't pry, but yeah, damn dude, that's, uh, uh, that's, I, I, I have no words for, uh, ah, that, that, that feeling of, of being you because it's not there's not these gates I'm sure there wasn't like this uh this look of of I know I can achieve I mean it's just that feeling I mm-hmm. I I can relate with mm-hmm. my past experiences and, and like
1: people can if they've if they've dabbled in psychedelics I guess you know I I I really really struggled with telling some of this stuff today um but the way it's impacted me in a in positively is incredible and People know that I've changed since I've come home from this experience. And it wasn't just that experience in the jungle. It was the entire time that I just kind of came of age, I guess. Um, but it's changed me. It's balanced me. It's brought me peace. It's, it's helped me figure some things out personally. I'm a big believer if you can take care of yourself, you can take care of other people. And so I, I chose to go into myself. And figure this out and since i've tried I, I've, I've had mushroom i've had a bunch of mushroom trips since and i use that medicinally it's nuts man i'll sit uh, I'll, I'll take a small dose and i will be on my own for the next four or five hours and i go in and i i figure out okay what needs work what in my life needs work and i figure out what needs work and then i focus on that moving forward right and so that's what how i quit tobacco that do you I attribute it do you enough.
0: tap into that maybe by a sense of I hate to use the word paranoia cause that sounds kind of stereotypical, but you're able to be like, Oh shit, I'm worried about this thing. But mm-hmm. instead of just freaking out about it until it just wears off, like what I've done in the past, you know, it's like, there's a bit, I can't think of the comedian, but they're like, Oh my God, I have so many <laughs> cavities. you know, just like you just dwell on one stupid thing, but you recognize it. And then it's more, it's more of a, a job rather than just recreation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think because of my experiences with psychedelics in general, I'm able to control them a little bit more, but I still have a lot of respect for them. But yeah, I find that it brings up things that I need to focus on. And if there's some inconsequential shit, like I have cavities, I just kind of brush it aside, you know, and, and then I focus on, okay, what really needs help? I can achieve that with weed too. If I really try, if I get in a meditative state on marijuana, I'm able to figure out the things that surface that I need to work on and focus on come up.
0: So as we're nearing the end here, what would you say when I met you today, we connected, I would say pretty immediately oh, yeah. based on, I mean, I could tell there was some reservations at first on both ends. Cause that's always the weird thing. You don't know what to say, especially when you know, you're going to talk about the drugs, you know, especially intense ones that aren't, uh, they're, if, not they're not westernized. It's not westernized medicine. Right. It, right. Exactly. And, and, but you don't want to like freak people out. Cause I mean, I told you today about my DMT experiences and you got to be careful because you don't want uh, to uh, completely turn you off. Like, Oh my God, what is this guy? Who's, what kind of stuff is he messing with? And a lot of people have that idea. A lot of people are going to hear this and maybe think about both of us like, Oh man, they're into some hardcore shit but it's not. And like, what would you say to someone that is maybe on the fence or maybe disagrees with, with that, that, um, that exercise? Cause that's really what it is. You are just exercising that muscle. And I, I firmly believe in that. And I, what would, yeah. How would you, um, put someone's mind at ease to either be either less judgmental or encourage them to, uh,
1: maybe evaluate their own lives by participating in it. I think, one, do some research on what psychedelics are doing in our culture right now. And scientists are getting involved. Uh, there's funding that's happening. MAPS, uh, the, I can't, I'm i not going to be able to know the, the acronym, but it's an organization that is heavily supported by research and scientists. And do some research. Don't take my word for it. And for all intents and purposes, don't just go and do it right. immediately you have to know what you're getting yourself into. So to the, to the people that are on the fence, definitely it comes under research, but the people that would, that would look at me differently, which I'm sure there will be some, or look at you differently, Joe, because of what you've done. Um, I ask them to reach out and say, Hey, that's good. tell me more and, and, or, or give me an opportunity to talk to them. Let me share a little bit of my life with you. Let me tell you what, what, I've, what has occurred in my life since how, how I've improved how my diet is better. How I continue to run like an animal. How I've cut alcohol intensely from my existence. Oh my god. Um, and I still do it. That's but crazy. I still do it. Well, but... I mean, not the alcohol, but just like the yeah. the amount of
0: of purging that it yeah. that it, it. It's not like you're sitting in your basement just slamming cups of ayahuasca every no. Saturday oh, night. No, I'm know? not
1: even close to being ready again. I will yeah, be. It, exactly. It's going to that, happen. That's the thing with happen.
0: these with these really intense. Mm-hmm psychedelic medicines, you're not really itching to do it again. Like the time, I mean, I did it back to back, but I haven't done it since. And because I haven't felt the need, I'm still like processing and still rolling off of that feeling. And that was, that was, that was six years ago, like almost probably to the month. Yeah.
1: And you had that memory down. Yeah.
0: And I'll never forget it. And when it's time, then I'll go to it. But shit people, you got Coke you got pharmaceutical, we have a heroin, have
1: a heroin epidemic in the state right now, man. We, we have in prescription Indiana. drug epidemic, it's, it's you know,
0: and that's, and that's, that's provided. Yeah. And that's just
1: part of our culture. Yeah. Anytime
0: I would tell my family, you know, mention this similar stuff, it, it, they would try and get me on antidepressants. They had me on that for a while. And it's like, you, you rather me do that. Like that just shows how much you just don't, no. And like, can you blame, can you blame people? No, no, yeah.
1: I, my big thing right now and at this point in my life is I can't blame people for anything. Right. I really struggle blaming anyone for any action, whether it's somebody that flips me off in a, in a car because I'm driving slowly because I don't have any reason to go fast right? or or somebody that freaks out right in front of my face through work or something. It's like, I, I really can't blame you. You got some other shit going on. So let's figure out what, what that is. And that's, that's tough. So again, if, if people are curious or they think that I'm, I'm crazy, I'm off my rocker. Maybe I am, but I feel pretty damn sane.
0: Well, then how can people find you then? Find your blog post, Instagram? Yeah, uh, you find can you?
1: find... I wrote I wrote a bunch of stories about my South American adventures, more of the tame ones, less than... I didn't, I didn't explore this realm of it. Um, I have a website called escapeartistletters.me, and then you can find me on Instagram at joelio, which is J-O underscore E-L-I-O. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, that's exciting. All right, man. So let's wrap this up. So this is, like I said before, this is your episode. Mm -hmm. So in like two to five words.
1: How about one word? Okay. Vida, which is life in Spanish. Ooh. Vida. Can you spell that real quick? V-I-D-A. P-I-D-A yeah. Ooh, and Joe thank you man hey thank before, you before we sign off thank you for, for doing this it's, it's fun to meet other like minded people in a midwestern city yeah I, so, well I'm glad we found each other absolutely so. brother
0: alright man well this was again Vida with Joel Hubert and we're gonna leave you with a recording that Joel did when uh, he was out in Uruguay so uh, stick around for that and we'll see you next week